Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. We just form a fucking wall. O'Neal deep on the post, lots of contact there. Oh, what a block by Wallace! What a jump ball! He's down four, 12 8, 7 38 to play the first one. First from Rodney, stuck into the rim! Reggie inside for Andre, and a dynamite dunk! Welcome Pistons fans to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast. Brendan Johnson, Ryan Pay, Aaron Johnson, all here with you and... Well, guys, it was a little bit of an emotional roller coaster of a week as you watch the Pistons play, but they are up to the sixth seed again in the Eastern Conference. They are even at 16 and 16, fresh off a win over the Washington Wizards the other night. You might have seen our recent Twitter activity. We had the like, little pregame and postgame video talking about that Pistons game. A big win for Detroit to get them back to the sixth seed and back to 500. Ryan, there's plenty of storylines to talk about within it, but um, you know, you just kind of look at the way the Pistons have played, and if you follow Ryan on Twitter, I think Ryan was like kind of on like a crime watch. He was ready to hurt somebody during that Hawks game, but probably feeling a little bit better fresh off that Wizards win still. Um, I don't know if I'm feeling a lot better, Brendan. Uh, they definitely had that good third quarter where they started to pull away, but it seemed like late, late third and into the fourth, they definitely tried to do everything they could to give the game back to the Washington Wizards. They were able to pull away late, but uh, it was another game, tough game where you thought, oh no, they're going to give this one away. Aaron, we watched that game together. I know you were feeling the same way. I thought that performance, Detroit deserved to lose that game. The way that they played, turned the ball over 23 or 25 times, um, just played very sloppy in general. Lack of effort defensively, especially in the fourth quarter. They did everything they could to blow that game. They they just seemed to think, it just looked like their mindset was, all right, we've gone up 22, let's put it in cruise control. And, and the thing They're that, not in that spot right now. Mm-hmm. You've got to put your foot on the throat, you know what I mean? you got to end a team. That's where they're at right now. And can you even feel better after a win against Washington? It's not like this is a Washington team like it's been in years past. Yeah, it's not like this was a two-seed Washington team at this know, point. Atlanta's at 12 in the East. Washington's at 11. There's not a lot of, a lot of separation <laughs> between those teams so far this year. So there's really no reason to feel better. Detroit beat a bad team. Bradley Beal had to play 45 minutes in that game for them to lose by double digits. Can I just say... It didn't even look like Bradley Beal broke a sweat in that game for playing 45 minutes. That guy is effortless and fantastic, and I wish we could go get him, but we can't, and that's all I'll say about that. Go on, Aaron. You know, Detroit at 16-16, and 16, they're a six seed. Doesn't make any sense. The Eastern Conference is pretty crappy. Um, at least it they is. are right now. But they have competition behind them. You know, Brooklyn has been the hottest team in the NBA. They're uh, winning a lot more ball games than they have been. In the Aren't last they 9-10? 9-10? Yeah, I was going to say. They've got Miami, who just made that switch to Justice Winslow as a starting point guard. We'll see how that goes for them. They're a team that is in the 8th seed right now at 16-17. Uh, and 17. Charlotte, who Detroit has had their issues with all season, right behind Detroit at 16-17. and 17. Um, But I think we know where Detroit stands. This team is going to top out as a 6 seed this year if they're lucky. Because the separation from the top five to Detroit is about four games. Um, That's crazy. Boston is the five seed at can, 20 and 14. Can we just say right now, about 33, 34 games in, depending at 32 for the Pistons, at 32 to 34 games in, four games is too much for them to overcome. 
that tells you everything you need to know about where this team's at. Well, and that's with Boston having a very shaky season so Yeah, far. exactly. That's what I'm saying. So, Four games with some shaky play at the top, and they're not going to be able to overcome unless, that. We're not even halfway through the year. Unless Detroit is, has a big move coming. Yeah, it, it looks that way because I don't think – I think Boston's only trending in the right direction. I agree. I know last I agree. night's loss to Houston was tough. But they've had a great win against Philadelphia on Christmas Day. Um, you know, Philadelphia's ahead of them. They're not succeeding that spot. Um, then there's Indiana. Indiana's a team that maybe cools off, but they've been solid this year, even with Victor Oladipo missing time. So I'm not yep. going to bank on that. And then you have Milwaukee and Toronto, two teams you expect near the top, especially Toronto. Those teams aren't going anywhere unless major injuries occur. Um, so, yeah, it looks like Detroit's pretty much going to be a six seed this year if they top out, unless a big move is made. And it's rather unfortunate because the way this team started the year, it looked like they could really be a top-four team in the East. I feel like we talk about every year, though. Look how this team's starting. And Last year they started 14. Mm-hmm. It was the they started better last year, last year than they started this year. And uh, look where we're at. It's We're in the same spot this, this year, year that we were last year. This year was just a little more optimistic because, oh, well, we have Dwayne Casey now. And, and Blake Griffin's healthy. and Maybe he'll be a little more consistent. I think those reasons for optimism, though, I, No, no, I, I agree those are good reasons for optimism, yet look where we are. We got I think it's just again. O- I think it's just other things happening that we, you can't bank on or you don't had, think about. Yeah. Andre Drummond, inconsistency, mm-hmm. right? Bullock, so start to the year. Losing, where the hell is Luke Kennard? Losing Stanley a guy like Johnson for the not. first 15, 20 games. MIA. Great, Brandon. When I want to talk, I'm going to talk. I'm going to talk over talk. you. Losing Ish Smith, too, I think has been huge. Because we're watching this Washington game the other night, and I think Aaron's about to have like an aneurysm because Jose Calderon's touching the floor. And losing Ish Smith has resulted in Jose having to play increased minutes. And I know that that's not good for your health. I feel like Brennan is I'm going to have an aneurysm like ten times on this podcast. Every every and podcast, I, I feel I, like. I feel like. <laughs> I, actually, I think that's the first time I've used have that you analogy. Have seen my health records or something from the future? Because, like, do I need to, like, start, like, going to the doctor no, or something? No, I, I don't think I've you used. You said that before. Hold Maybe on. Just I don't know if I've used the aneurysm line before. You have. Yes, you have. Oh, yeah. I, I've said other things. I don't know if I've used well, the aneurysm you've said a lot of line. things, but I've yes. got the You've said a lot. I'm just concerned for you. Thanks. I'm looking out for you. No, I appreciate it. But, Aaron, also, you mentioned Luke Kennard. He's a coach's decision, DNP, the other night versus Washington, and you're really starting to wonder what you're going to get out of this guy because you have one night like that night in Philadelphia where he couldn't miss and he post 28, and then you have nights like last to where he's been struggling, and you decide just not to put him on the floor. So Luke Kennard's case is rather interesting because he's not been given the Langston Galloway treatment of just playing him and letting him find a rhythm. And now we look at where Langston Galloway is at. Against Washington, he had 22 points. Mm-hmm. He's putting up games, you know, consistently where he's in the, the high teens, low 20s. That's what Langston Galloway is doing for this team off the bench right now. And that's because Dwayne Casey began the year with him and has never dropped him out of the rotation. He's given him consistent minutes and let him fire away. With Luke Kennard, Kennard's minutes have been very stagnant. You never know if he's getting in. You never know if he, how long he's going to get in when he does get in. And that's just been the case with him. It's been since the beginning of the year when he wasn't even in the rotation. But he came back from his injury. He played well, had tw- a career-high 28 points and 8 rebounds, had that nice game. Then responded with, with 3 or 4 games where he shot one of something from the field. Uh, he just had, had not played well. And with that being the case, he probably does deserve the fall out of the rotation. Maybe not completely, but he shouldn't start. I think that 
Dwayne Casey needs to really try to instill some confidence in him and try to find him some minutes somewhere because Luke Kennard is, again, for a team that doesn't have a lot of young talent, one of Detroit's, if not Detroit's, best young prospect. So you got to find a way to get him involved, get him into that rhythm that you got Langston Galloway into because if that happens, you have another dangerous shooter and a dangerous scorer for a team that lacks good shooting and good scoring options. So you got to find a way to, to play Luke Kennard, but you really can't excuse the, the way he came out and played following his career mm-hmm. performance because it was not good whatsoever. Yeah, no doubt about that. The other thing is, guys, Glenn Robinson the third getting set to return maybe as soon as tonight uh, or sometime during this four-game road trip for the Pistons, and that's another guy that's going to you know likely be getting into rotation with starting before he went down. So you have Langston, who's playing well. You talk about the 22-point effort versus Washington. You've got Luke Kennard, who you can't give up on, and you need to find a way to give minutes. Now you have Glenn Robinson the third, who you invested in during the offseason coming back, and a guy that was starting before he got hurt. And the Pistons are going to be back to that kind of discussion of what direction do they go, because then on top of Glenn coming back, you had Bruce Brown start and play 22 minutes the other night versus Washington, Eight points on three of seven shooting, a pretty good defensive effort as well. You know, it, it, did Bruce Brown do enough to not earn another trip to the starting lineup tonight in Indiana? Bruce Brown does no wrong. Let's clarify that. Bruce Brown's never <laughs> done anything wrong in his Pistons career. Um, but this is Glenn Robinson thing, and I'm going to be quick here because I kind of get to talk about Luke Kennard, and Ryan didn't get to talk about Luke Kennard, and I feel like Ryan likes to talk about Luke Kennard. So I'll be quick on this one. I don't know where Glenn Robinson stands right now in the rotation. He did not play very well in his minutes when he was getting them. So it'll be interesting to see where he fits in and if he fits in because Bruce Brown deserves to be in the rotation. Reggie Bullock obviously is going to be in the rotation. Stanley Johnson deserves to be in the rotation. And then it's, you know, Luke Kennard, Glenn Robinson III, Langston Galloway's getting minutes. So there may just be too many guys in too few minutes, and Glenn Robinson III may be the eye guy out. I'm I'm not even going to venture to guess what Dwayne Casey's going to do with this lineup because the lineup's been so up and down and all around all season. Yes, Glenn Robinson's coming back, but like Aaron said, has Glenn really been impressive enough to just be like automatic reinsert into no. the starting lineup? Has he? I don't think so. So I'm not even going to venture to guess what that. Um, and then to touch on a point Aaron made about Dwayne Casey letting Langston Galloway shoot his way to feeling it into a rhythm, into scoring, as opposed to Luke Kennard's up and down minutes. Langston Galloway is unconscious. That guy is always confident no matter what. You can see it in the way he plays. No matter when he's super hot or he has those games where he shoots 2 for 11. At the second he touches the ball, he's pulling and he doesn't even think about it. He thinks it's going in every time. He's supremely confident. And that is why I feel Dwayne Casey lets him shoot through his shooting woes. Because he knows he's going to come out of it because that guy's always thinking I can score on every shot I take. Luke Kennard seems to be extremely fragile mentally at this point in his career it seems like Dwayne Casey knows that if Luke pulls up and misses two or three in a row it -hmm. goes downhill immediately and Luke becomes extremely passive with the ball he's one of those guys he is one of those guys he's young right now and it's it harks back to something I've said about that fifth starting spot in the starting rotation nobody except Bruce Brown has seemed comfortable in that starting spot because everyone who has started in that spot, Stanley Johnson, Glenn Robinson, Luke Kennard, are guys 
I wouldn't, they're not huge scores, but they like to look for their shot. And in this starting rotation, it's obviously Blake Griffin does what he does, does what he wants. He's first. And you have to get Andre his touches or he's going to ment- mentally check out. And Reggie Jackson, when he is on the ball, is ball heavy. He's a ball hawk. He's looking to score as well. And then you have one of the best shooters in the league in Reggie Bulk, and you have to get him going. It's cr- it's a crime if you don't get him going. Yeah, let's hit on that for a second. Go ahead. Reggie Bullock is not getting nowhere near enough touches that he should be getting. Agreed. After the performances he had last week. In these past few games, I think against Atlanta he only got six shots. And I don't know the shot amount he got against Washington. But not enough because we watched that game and we were saying it throughout the entire game. How do you go back-to-back career highs and then fall off the map because you're just not even being given looks? It's ridiculous. You said, one of the best shooters in the NBA. He's a great off-ball mover. With a guy like Blake Griffin, there's great chemistry between those two. There is. Those two like playing. You can tell they work well in a two-man game. In that Washington game, Reggie Bullock, 32 minutes, 1 for 6, good for 5 points. So, still, what six shots. Six, six shot attempts. I don't care that he shot one for six. When you're Reggie Bullock, you can have the, one of those nights, and it's fine. It's not a problem. But, but he should be having, with this offense, he should have at least ten shots. At least. Oh, agreed. Because he's a marksman from beyond the arc, and he gets inside with his cutting cutting to the lane. Versus Atlanta, 37 minutes, two for six, good for eight points. It's ridiculous that's that he's only getting six shots. That's Absolutely nonsense. There's got to be more action for him. It doesn't have to be designated plays, but guys got to just be looking for him harder throughout the offense. When Blake is getting ice, when Blake's just isoing, they should be setting double screens for Reggie Bullock to come off and come on the come on the same side wing as Blake Griffin for a catch and shoot opportunity. They should be running more dribble handoffs for Reggie Bullock. They got to be giving him some more action because that's a guy that can score the ball. And again, this Pistons team has struggled to score the basketball. Sometimes it's just painful watching them on offense. It's pathetic. There's, with no the one, fl- there's nothing. Well, they try to slow it down so much, too. And it's that consistent give it to Blake in like the short corner, low post. They double down in the post. And later in the Washington game, Blake was starting to get in a rhythm where he was able to kick it out. We got several outside looks. But you, know, you kind of think back to the Milwaukee game, the 10 turnover game. How many times did they double down in the post and it was an immediate turnover? It just bogs down what the Pistons are good at doing. And if you're able to generate that kind of movement and then set Blake up off a screen or set him up, you know, cutting hard and then get a quick pick and roll, work that pick and roll roll with Reggie a little bit as well, the flow would just be so much better. And then a guy like Reggie Bullock finds that space on the floor and things open up for him as well. And a guy like Langston could continue to get his looks. You have to do some other creative things to keep getting your shooters good looks beyond just give it to Blake, hope they double down, and hope that Blake doesn't turn it over before he can throw a cross-court kickout pass. I mean, I agree. I, I'm i all about getting Blake the ball. I don't think that's been any secret if you've listened to this podcast um, and letting him be the one option and letting him do what he needs to do because I do think he's still a superstar with a very diverse game. We have a superstar in this town now. Oh, that was oh, Tom Gores chiming in. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Um, <laughs> but I'm not a fan. It seems to kill momentum when they constantly go to the like the post extended, short corner, post up. Let Blake do that. I feel like there's more to the game. There's more opportunity 
different plays, different sets they can run than just doing that. That's what stagnates the offense, if you ask me. And I think that's a problem. Um, I don't know. It's, it's tough, boys. What do you think we need to do to change something in this offense well, in terms of that? You know, this offense has been pretty abysmal, and I think it starts with Andre Drummond's getting way too many post touches. He has, he's given, he's been giving the ball way too much, and been allowed to just kind of do his thing. Whether it's him working in a face up, whether it's him working with his back to the basket, he's been giving the ball way too much. And Detroit's got to give, uh, give those touches to someone else. Some of them. Because, again, like we just talked about, Reggie Bullock's not getting enough looks. Reggie Jackson, who's played a little bit better as of late, he, he should get some more touches when he's shooting the ball and he's getting the lane better. Blake Griffin should be getting getting as many touches as he wants. So Andre is getting too many opportunities to just kind of try to create for himself. And for me, I think that's just absolute garbage because we know how Drummond plays in the offense. We know his strengths. We know his weaknesses. And him posting up is not a strength. I'll just leave it at that. So it's... I think we just proved the whole point I've been making about the fifth starter in the lineup. Everyone has to get their touches from the first first four in this lineup. We just talked about that. Blake has to. Reggie has to. Reggie has to. Drummond has to or he's just going to check out of the game. The guy going in that fifth spot, I think that's where their mental anxiety almost of being on the court with those four comes from. When you saw, you saw it with Stanley, I don't want to shoot the ball. Everyone else has to shoot the ball. You see it. I mean, Glenn Robinson seems a little more confident about it, but at the same time, he's not looking to score. And then you see it with Luke. I'm not here to shoot with these guys. So I think the thing is it has to be a low-usage player. I think it's either Bruce Brown or you go for spot-up shooting with Langston Galloway. I think one of those two guys are your best options. right? As of right now, I mean, I think even down the future, could it, it You'd like Bruce Brown to be a starter, um, but Langston Galloway, I don't know if you would view him as a starter for your team, even with the way he's playing. I really like what he can just bring off the bench. He's fi- there's finally some scoring in the second unit. God, can we just talk about the lineup, though, for a second that yeah. Detroit used against Washington off the bench? It was Jose Calderon, Langston Galloway, Stanley Johnson, John Luer, and Zaza Abachulia. What a time, huh? I mean, like, ow. <laughs> and... I- my eyes. I mean, John Lure has been doing better than I thought he would, and that's and John I'm, I'm down with that. I'm down with that. Uh, Stanley's doing Stanley things, you know. So bench mob, but after that, so the bench lineup, I guess with Jose Calderon because we got to play Jose Calderon apparently. Jose, Jose Calderon, Langston Galloway, um, Luke Kennard. Stanley Johnson, John Luer. That's how you get Luke Kennard some touches. That's how you instill some confidence. Zaza Pachulia is not doing anything for this team. He's not go, at all. Go put Stanley in his, his best position, the way he's yes, playing, where he's playing his best, off the bench of the power forward spot. John Luer can play the five, and then you get Luke Kennard in the lineup, you get some shooting, you get some scoring, and you instill some confidence in him. Mm-hmm. And he's not expected to take every touch because you have Langston Galloway in that group. You have Stanley Johnson in that group. And then you're going to get John Luer to get a few shots. So Glenn Robinson, Gerard Man out. It appears that way right now. I would say so at this point. I mean, unless unless he goes back into the starting lineup and just can hit, hit shots from the corner and defend. But, I mean, Bruce Brown's been doing that. And I'm a Bruce mm-hmm. Brown guy right now, so I'm rolling with it. I that. don't know if that's good or bad. I, I don't know. It just seems like Bruce Brown's mentality right now is just, it doesn't matter if I don't shoot at all tonight mm-hmm. or if they need me to shoot eight shots tonight. I just will do whatever I need to do. Hey, hey, just... 
just let's go back a few months. You know, let's say August, September. Were any of us thinking, I know Ryan and I were like Bruce Brown for that point guard spot, but were any of us really thinking Bruce Brown was going to crack the rotation and even start? No, I'm pretty sure you can go back and listen, and I said, I'm, I'm positive I've said, there's no chance he really plays at all this year. I mean, he might get sparing minutes, but that's a guy for the future I think could look good. Yeah. I was not expecting this right off the bat. We were, Absolutely not. I know I was on the Kennard train. And I still think that Luke Kennard still needs am. to have a still viable am. role because he's going to turn into Stanley Johnson if he doesn't. But right now with the way this team's playing, if you're really trying to compete, he's not good enough to start on this team. And you look at the lineup, and I think the big thing you mentioned is you have to have that low-usage offensively guy um, in the starting rotation. And not that Stanley needs to be a high offensive usage, but he can come in and score a little bit off the bench. And he's much more comfortable being able to be an equal contributor. Oh, absolutely. He can't come in. As much as I wanted Stanley Johnson to be that starting small forward of the future for the Pistons, He's just so damn good off the bench. As a six yeah, man, as either, the six at, either, at either forward spot. He's just yeah. so damn good that way. And that's fine because hopefully his team's able to find that small for the future and then he can just have a really good, versatile, defensive ace off the bench. And mm-hmm. that can be Stanley Johnson. So that's fine. But that team's got to find that fifth guy. I, think, I do think the fifth guy is Bruce Brown. One thing, like I said, Bruce Brown does have supreme confidence going for him. And that's the thing. And another thing is... Bruce Brown doesn't need to score to be confident in himself Mm -hmm. and what he's doing on the floor. Bruce Brown can do other things, such as rebound hard, defend hard. He doesn't need to be a scorer. Whereas Luke, Luke is a scorer. That guy is a pure scorer, and he's shown, he did it all through college, phenomenal scorer, and he's shown flashes of it in the NBA that he can put up points quick. He's a guy who needs to score to get his confidence going. And Bruce Brown isn't. And so I think having Luke come off the bench right now is probably what's best. Even though I 1 million percent believe Luke Kennard is a starter and a 20 point per game guy in the league when he gets it going, it's just not where that role is at with this team currently. One final thing on Bruce Brown. I can't remember who posted the stat, but in his last 23 point attempts over however many games, he's shooting 40% from the three point line. That was something we knocked. He was knocked about. He's not going to be a shooter. If he's if he's shooting forty percent, the guy is shooting. I, it's good. It is good. Fine. It just adds more to it. You know, to look at your lineups you mentioned, Aaron, with you know the current five that started, you know, with Bruce Brown in that mix, and then that second rotation of Jose Langston, Luke Stanley, John Luer. You know, the only other thing you could do to not give up on Glenn Robinson is you could slide Glenn back into the starting role and then have Bruce run that backup one spot. And your second usage, your second lineup is Bruce Kennard. Langston, John Luer, Stanley Johnson. Now you're really utilizing all your pieces. You move away from Ish Smith. And then if Glenn doesn't perform when Ish is healthy, you move Ish back into the two or the one guard spot of the uh, second unit. You slide Bruce back, back into the starting lineup. And, and then it's either going to be Kennard or Glenn Robinson as the odd man out. And unless if Glenn's playing really well, I think you got to ditch him and keep giving minutes to your young guy in Luke Kennard. So my thing with that is we haven't really heard anything about the Bruce Brown at point guard development since like trading camp. And I think because he's been thrown into such a heavy role where this team wasn't expecting him to be, that, that minutes at point guard in practice or whatever 
hasn't really happened. But do you think that you could you could still survive with several guys being in a sense with you know your three guard lineup? You you have your three you could call them combo guards if you will. Langston, Luke, or Bruce could all bring the ball up the floor dare I, dare and could I, all initiate the offense. Dare I say, I'd rather have Stanley do that than Bruce. That's fine. Because I think Stanley's shown over his career that he can play make with the ball. But who then, you know, offensively you're going to have some odd placement of, you know, who's running yeah, the four-man that's spot, why things I like don't, that. That's why I don't know if it works. I think it would be tough. If Bruce Brown had just kind of been, if we would, you know, I'd keep hearing about it and he was maybe do, going back and forth with the drive and taking over that point guard spot down there, it'd be a little easier to think, oh, well, maybe that will work. But because he's had to play such heavy minutes at the different positions and he's been probably doing so in practice, working through sets and stuff, I just don't think he's had really the time to develop there. And that's why I would probably lean against doing that. I mean, as far as this year, yes. I would, I love, in theory, I love the idea. Um, but this year, I don't think that's happening. You have to give him another summer of rolling through the point guard. Because, like you said, in practice, he's roll, he's practicing that off guard spot mm-hmm. in the sets in practice. Do you, do you think this is something though? When I just posed to play devil's advocate, they're saying Ish Smith, you know, he's supposed to get reevaluated, you know, within the next few days here, um, and probably needs a few weeks left. So you maybe you're looking at mid January for a hopeful return for Ish Smith. Do you think that for the next two, three weeks that Bruce Brown could get by doing it in that backup spot? I mean, you're looking at Jose Calderon, right? And all you're doing is you're just replacing Jose Calderon's minutes by putting Bruce Brown in that one spot. And maybe staggering, maybe even still start him at the three, stagger his minutes, you know, put Glenn in, and you get a little creative with it. Uh, and maybe Luke runs that one spot to start the second unit, then you transition to Bruce coming in the game. But... Now, do you th- I, I just keep looking at it as if you can replace Jose Calderon's minutes and get Glenn Robinson back on the floor, keeping Bruce in a viable role, that could be uh, that could be very beneficial to the development of this team, along with staying competitive. You're not okay. You're not wrong about that, but can I say that how many times this year have we complained about the starters? How they just look like they don't give a damn sometimes. They're just going through the motions. They're not showing up. The bench has had to come back and get the team in the game to get the starters going. They, The starting group needs a kick in the ass with energy, and that's what Bruce Brown provides. Every time Bruce Brown starts and is with that starting group, they seem to be a little more alive because he plays with so much energy, and it seems to be a little more infectious. Everyone seems a little more into the game. I don't know if I'm willing to give that up in that starting group. I'm with Ryan on this one. I would stick with what you got right now. And, you know, one thing that Jose Calderon does do is he's able to run the offense. He, he works the ball around. So, I guess just roll with it. There's really no better So, option. actually, hold on. So, thinking about this, that's fine. Then just slide Glenn into the second unit. Let Stanley run your one. Slide Glenn in at the four. I don't. I don't think they would actually let Stanley run the one. I. Don't, I don't think we've seen enough of that. It's just my like dream that I think That's Stanley the, could do. I, it. I just think in like a a second unit role where you could stagger some minutes, have kind of point guard by committee to initiate the offense. Really, four guys could or three guys could bring the ball to the floor. Whether it be Stanley, whether it be Luke, whether it be Langston. 
I, I think it's a way to get creative and something that the Pistons really need to consider. Something to change up what they're doing. And again, it's a short-term thing until Ish Smith comes back and takes over the one-guard spot of the second unit. I, I can't, even though I don't think Ish Smith has played necessarily well this year, I cannot wait for him to come back. The way he plays is going to be very Talk good Talk about energy. That's another guy exactly. that brings energy. energy. You don't need... Stanley Johnson, I feel, is an energy guy as well. He gets going. You, mm-hmm. You've got your two energy guys in your second unit in Ish and Stanley. There's a reason those two play well, so well so together. well together. Leave Bruce Brown with the starters because they need that energy kick. Dwayne Casey has said it itself himself. Bruce Brown brings a spark, brings energy that this team needs. More specifically, the starting lineup needs. Look at those guys. They look dead out there mm-hmm. sometimes. They need that kick in the butt. Which Bruce Brown brings. Yeah. No, it's a fair point. I'll tell you, another guy we wanted to hit on a little bit is Reggie Jackson, a guy that's having you know a pretty decent season. His level of play has definitely improved over the last couple of weeks. Aaron, you alluded to that. I mean, you look at his season stats. He's averaging 15 a game, which is up from his average of 12 a game. He's shooting the ball well, 34% from three, which is you know 2% higher than his average. The guy's also hitting free throws, especially late in the game. He's always been able to do that. A career 85% shooter. But when you have a point guard that's able to just consistently get to the line and you're confident, like in the Washington game the other night, he's going to go to the line, he's going to hit throws, he's going to take this from a one to a two possession game, he is going to you know secure the deal, then you just get ultimate confidence in that kind of guy. He's playing a little bit better. It's good to see. Reggie Jackson's stock is trending in the upward direction, which has is good for the Pistons now and good for when they trade him. Um, yes! Reggie Jackson, oh, my God! <laughs> yes! Reggie yes! playing good basketball right now because Reggie Jackson is finally being utilized properly. Oh, hey, maybe Reggie Jackson should play our shooting guard spot. No, Dwayne, he's your point guard. So Reggie Jackson's running more pick and rolls. He's having the ball in his hands more, and he's playing better. He's not being forced to take 15 shots a game, or 15 three-pointers a game, like he did against Charlotte. Not in their last game, but weeks back. I remember going on the pod after that game and saying, the way Reggie Jackson is being utilized is terrible. He's taking, he just took 15 three-pointers in a game, and they changed the way Reggie Jackson's playing use. He was shooting, I believe, 30% at that time from the three-point line. Now he's up to nearly 35%. He's scoring the ball a lot better. He had 24 in that big win against Minnesota. He had 16 against Atlanta. He had 19 against Washington. Had a pretty... Not, he didn't really play very well against Charlotte in, the, in that loss uh, on the 21st. Only at 12-6-4. But he's playing better. He's shooting better. I know against Washington he had eight turnovers, which is absolutely unacceptable. But... Just an overall, Reggie Jackson's been playing a lot better. It's because he's being used in the correct way. And that's a thing that needs to continue to trend in that direction. Allow Reggie Jackson to handle the basketball. I also like that in that Washington game, it seemed like his stints were split up in about six-minute spurts. Use him in those smaller spurts. Give him six, and then seven, and then six, and then seven. You're getting him at his best energy because when he gets tired... We know he has some sort of breathing issue or, or something to where his minutes have been limited in the past. But when you use him in those smaller spurts, you get him at his best energy. You're getting the results you'd like to see as he works his, as he's still working his way into basketball shape. Because Dwayne Casey has said that Jackson has not been his, his full self because of that injury he had in the offseason. Mm-hmm. So he's been working himself back into form. So I think we're starting to see it. By the way, he, he's gone for some killer dunks lately. 
and that's that's cool to see too because this is not a guy that really flashed much athleticism, uh, you know, in the past few past two seasons. No, yeah. I mean, you're right about that. I do like him show, going for some some real hammers lately. Uh, but you really, I really can't add anything to that. You've said everything there is to say about Reggie Jackson has stepped his play up. He's being utilized properly now. I mean, and he's trending in the right direction for this team. And for when they trade him. I, you've said everything that needs to be said, Aaron. Final point on it. You made a good point, too, to where all of a sudden he just came back from that injury and immediately just started playing. Didn't have a lot of recovery time. or I shouldn't say recovery time, but the time to get back into that basketball shape you mentioned. He recovered. He was able to continue basketball activities or resume basketball activities. And he said, okay, let's play. So... Still a guy that's getting back to form, getting himself in a rhythm, and hopefully Reggie can continue to trend in the right direction. One final note, um, if you're filling out your NBA All-Star ballots and you're giving Andre Drummond one of your five votes, just stop. Don't be a fanboy. Andre Drummond does not deserve one of your five votes. Maybe Blake Griffin does, but I've seen people posting on Twitter their votes, and Andre Drummond's been in it, and just stop it. Well... With That's that being bold said, decla- bold declaration. Okay. Palace of That's Pistons. Stand. Palace stand. of Pistons official statement: Do not vote Andre Drummond for the All Star game. <laughs> Great. He'll probably still get in, but he's not a starter. <laughs> just, just miss me with that. If you want to give a vote to a Piston, give it to Blake. But I don't even know if he's he's gotten all oh, Blake because in. well, well, there's 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 Giannis and there's Kawhi. So is he better than those two? Probably not. Well, I'm voting for him. All right, vote for Blake. And get Reggie Bullock into that three-point shooting contest, as Blake said. As Blake said, he needs to be in it. Well, the Pistons have eight of their next ten games coming up on the road. That includes a four-game trip before we pod again next week, including games tonight at Indiana and then on Sunday at Orlando next week on New Year's Day in Milwaukee and then the next day, Wednesday, in Memphis. So... Big four-game road stretch coming up for the Pistons before they return home and before we hit the podcast next week. So we'll have plenty of stuff to talk about, a big stretch coming up. Stay tuned to our Twitter page, our website. It's palaceofpistons.com. On Twitter, at Palace of Pistons. Aaron's at A. Johnson NBA. Follow Ryan at Ryan Pay. You can follow myself at Media Brendan. For the latest Pistons updates and a lot of news surrounding this four-game stretch, the Pistons, the 16, are the sixth seed sitting at 16 and 16. We'll see where they sit when we return next week here to the Pals of Pistons podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.